beautiful music. Thank you so much, choir, for ministering to us in song. I don't know if you've heard the latest news reports that there are five terrorist cell groups that are operating in many churches now. Um, they've been identified as been sleeping, been arguing, been fighting, been complaining, and been missing. <laughs> And their leader, uh, Ben Lucifer, has trained these groups to destroy the body of Christ. In fact, the plan is to come into the church disguised as Christians and to work within the church to discourage and disrupt and destroy. But there's also been reports of a sixth group, a tiny cell by the name of Ben Prayed. And uh, Ben Prayan is actually the only effective counter-terrorism uh, force in the church. And unlike the other terrorist cells, Ben Prayan, that, that, that particular group, does not blend in with whoever and whatever comes along. Ben Prayan does whatever is needed to uplift and encourage the body of Christ. And we've, been, we've noticed that the Ben Prayan subgroup has different characteristics than the others. They've been watching, they've been waiting, they've been fasting, they've been longing for their master the Lord Jesus Christ to return. Now, I wonder today, if you were honest, what cell group would you fall in? Uh, been sleeping, been arguing, been fighting, been complaining, been missing, or have you been praying? There's a question that was asked many years ago, and it's one of those timeless questions. And I'll ask it again on this Sunday morning. What kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? What kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? If everyone prayed like you, if everyone gave like you, if everyone served like you, if everyone attended like you, what kind of church would Red Hill Baptist Church be? Now, beloved, I want to be honest with you. The Christian life is not always easy. Uh, We have not been promised smooth sailing. We've been promised a safe landing. Praise the Lord. But along the way in our Christian life and journey, there are many challenges. There are many things that come up that cause us to want to quit. There are things that come up that cause us to want to just kind of sit down and give up. There are things that come along in our Christian lives that could cause us to become discouraged and depressed and to get really down. If someone tells you that following the Lord Jesus Christ is a cakewalk, They've lied to you. And I want to say that again. If someone's told you that following the Lord Jesus Christ is a cakewalk, they've lied to you. Discipleship is costly. Now, it's easy to come to church and it's easy to sing a few songs and it's easy to go through the motions. But I'm talking about discipleship. I'm talking about following the Lord Jesus Christ every day. Discipleship is costly. The Lord Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter, verses 23 and 24, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So they're right there. A lot of people would struggle right there. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, if you think following the Lord Jesus Christ is easy, just go and spend a few moments talking with the Apostle Paul. In fact, let me share a passage with you. Second Corinthians 11, 23 through 28 says, uh, Paul speaking here, are they ministers of Christ? I, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors abundant in stripes above many. 
in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Boy, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? It's not a Christian Caribbean cruise, is it? Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I had been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren. A life filled with perils, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. I want to say again, discipleship, following the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, is costly. Now, in Judges chapter 7 and 8, where we're going to be today, and I invite you to be turning there as we continue looking at the life of Gideon. Gideon is going to face some things, some challenges that have sidetracked many Christians. Things that have sidetracked other men and women. But he keeps going. He didn't quit. He didn't stop. He didn't give up. He finished the job that God had given him to do. He was faithful. And what I want to do in our few minutes together this morning, beloved, is I want to encourage all of us to keep going. I want to encourage all of us to keep going, to accomplish the task that God has given to us to do. I want to encourage all of us to stay faithful, to finish the task, to stay true to the calling that God has placed upon our lives. So as we look at Gideon's life today and we look at the challenges that he faced, we'll see if they apply to us and where we live today. So find your place there in Judges chapter 7. And we'll begin reading at verse 22. And of course, last week we looked at how they went with that small band of men to go out and face this large army of the Midianites. And we pick up our reading here at Judges chapter 7, verse 22. The Bible says, when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord said, every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Achaia toward Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola by Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watery places as far as Bethbarah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Bethbarah and the Jordan. And they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. So he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abzer? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over exhausted but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, 
Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted. And I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, for this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel, saying, when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Now, Zeba and Zalmunna were at Karkor and their armies with them, about 15,000. All who were left of the army of the people of the east. For 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Remember, there's an army of 135,000. And those 300 men went up and faced them, and 120,000 are dead, and there's 15,000 left. Verse 11. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in tents on the east of Nobah and uh, Jogbaha, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them. He took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the whole army. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned for battle from the ascent of Harris, and he called a young man, the man of Succoth, and interrogated him, and he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth, and it's the elders, 77 men. Then he came to the men of Succoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you have ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hands, that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. And he said to Zeba and Zalmunna, what kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled a son of a king. Then he said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was still a youth. So Zeba and Zalmunna said, rise yourself and kill us. For as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zalmunna and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camel's necks. Let's pray. Father, quiet our hearts now in your presence. May your Holy Spirit work and move amongst us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Gideon teaches us some wonderful lessons in this passage. And as you read that just at face value, you might say, well, what in the world does that have to do with us? All these people that we have a hard time pronouncing their names and all these things that went on in this gruesome passage. What does this have to do with us living today? Well, we learned several lessons here. First of all, we learn that you need to keep going when facing when you're facing criticism. Keep going when you're facing criticism. Look back at chapter 8, verse 1. And I want you to see what it says there. Now, the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. Now, God had just given an awesome victory here. Gideon and his 300 men had gone in and without swords or spears or anything, taking these very simple instruments of an empty pitcher and, 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 and um, their voice and, and, and a torch and so forth. They go in and cry out and 120,000 men are dead. There are 15,000 left, according to chapter 8, verse 10. 
And Gideon calls for reinforcements. And the men of Ephraim respond. And they even kill two of the princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. Now the men of Ephraim, instead of rejoicing, instead of praising God for the great victory that's given, instead of celebrating, they reprimand Gideon. They criticize Gideon. They say basically, why didn't you call us? Why weren't we notified when you went out to face this huge army? Why didn't you let us know what was going on? Now, listen, someone has said to avoid criticism. If you want to avoid criticism in your life, you ready? Here's how to do it. Say nothing, do nothing and be nothing. Let me say that again. If you want to avoid criticism in your life, that's your goal. Then now here's what you need to do. Say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. The moment that you say anything, the moment you do anything, the moment you become anything, there's someone there waiting to criticize you. And sad to say, it's not always those whom you think would be the ones to criticize you. Sometimes it could be the those that are the very closest to you. Think about how many Christians have gotten on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they've gone out boldly for Christ and they're on fire for the Lord. And then comes along their own family with water buckets of cold water to put out that fire. Listen, if you're going to do something with your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, be prepared for criticism. Be prepared. Know that it's going to come. But listen, when you're facing criticism, keep going. Don't let it stop you from accomplishing what God has given you to do. Your God-given mission. Maybe it's your job that God has placed you in. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's the parenting that you're doing. Maybe it's a ministry that God has given you and gifted you for. Whatever it is, don't let the critics stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Now, the critics are there. They're reprimanding Gideon. They're, they're reprimanding him sharply. Now, listen, we learned something else here. If you have to answer a critic, and I say that again, if you have to answer a critic, do so carefully. Now, Gideon was not looking to pick a fight with the men of Ephraim. In fact, he practiced Proverbs 15.1 here. Proverbs 15.1 says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And he basically says to him, listen, what have I done now in comparison to you? Uh, God's given in your hands uh, Orup and Zeb and, and what have I done? And, and so he kind of uh, softly answers them and it says there that uh, their anger uh, subsided when Gideon said that. If you have to answer a critic, do so carefully. But don't be surprised by criticism. I think so many get surprised that someone would criticize them. Listen. Listen to Luke 7, 33-35. John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, came eating and drinking. You say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber. A friend of tax collectors and sinners by wisdom, uh, but wisdom is justified by all our children. John the Baptist faced it. The Lord Jesus Christ faced it. Many women of God all throughout history have faced the criticism. But don't get sidetracked from what God has called you to do. And I want to give you some great advice from the great preacher Harry Ironside. He says, if what they are saying about you is true, mend your ways. If what they're saying about you is true, mend your ways. If it isn't true, forget it and go on and serve the Lord. 
Put that in your, your, your mind bank and your memory and hang on to it. If what they're saying about you is true, mend your ways. If it isn't true, forget it, ignore it, go on and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes in criticism, there is a kernel of truth. It may be said in a mean and nasty way. It may be say, uh, said in an antagonistic way. But sometimes there's a kernel of truth. And you can consider what your critic is saying and search it out before the Lord and ask God to help you. And if there's something there that needs to be changed, mend your ways. But if not, keep going. And even if there is, mend your ways and then keep going. Gideon teaches us and shows and reminds us to keep going when you're facing criticism. Some of you are maybe laboring under criticism this very moment. Listen, keep going. Keep going. Number two, keep going. When you're facing exhaustion, look at chapter eight, verse four. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over. Now, watch this phrase exhausted, but still in pursuit. I love that phrase exhausted, but still in pursuit. As you live your life for the Lord Jesus, there are going to be times when you're going to get tired. Jesus did. John chapter 4, verse 6. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Mark chapter 4, verses 37 to 39. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he, the Lord Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It's not a sin to get tired. It's not a sin to get tired. It's not a sin to reach the point of exhaustion at times. It's not a sin to rest if you need to rest. And everybody, I don't care how tough you are, somewhere along the way you have to rest. But here's what you understand. Don't give up. Rest if you must, but keep going. Some totally burn themselves out. I mean, they just burn out and give up. How much better to gradually wear out and to keep going. Now, of course, there are times when you are exhausted and you have to keep going. And you can't stop and rest, as is the case here as Gideon and his men are in pursuit of the enemy. They were exhausted, but still in pursuit. They didn't quit. Some of you here today may be exhausted and wanting to quit when it comes to your marriage. Others here today may be exhausted and wanting to quit when it comes to a wayward child or a child that's giving you great difficulty. Others may be here today and you're exhausted in the job that you're at and you're just laboring along and you're ready to quit. Others here today may be exhausted and you're laboring under a great burden because you're caring for a sick loved one or maybe a parent who is now up in years and needs your assistance. Others are exhausted in other ways. Here's what I want to say to you, beloved. Would you bring that exhaustion? Would you bring that tiredness? Would you bring that weariness to the Lord Jesus Christ today? Would you cry out to him? Would you lay that at the foot of the cross and would you say, Lord, I need you? I need you. Would you do as we sang earlier, say, precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. Don't bear it yourself. Give it to Jesus. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. Keep going. Keep going. When you're facing exhaustion, keep going. Rest a while if you have to. Take a break, but don't give up. Don't give in. Don't turn back. When you're facing criticism, keep going. When you're facing exhaustion, keep going. But would you notice thirdly, keep going when you're facing discouragement. Keep going when you're facing discouragement. Now think about it. How many people have quit because they became discouraged? I think it would be startling to see the statistics to really know How many have given up because they got discouraged? Now, Gideon faced a lot of discouragement here in this particular passage. He faced discouragement, first of all, from the men of Succoth and Penuel. Now, I want you to look again in that passage, verses 5 and 6, chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. He said to the men of Succoth, please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted. And I am pursuing Zeb and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. Now, that, that's a legitimate request and a natural request and a right request. But look at what they say, verse 6. And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeb and Zalmunna now in your hand? That we should give bread to your army? Look down at what happened when he went to Penuel. Look at verse number 8. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. It appears that the Succoth and the Penuel men, they had very little confidence in Gideon and his army. Perhaps they were afraid of retribution from the Midianite army if they helped Gideon. They just turned him away. They were exhausted. They were hungry. They needed that bit of bread, that encouragement that would come from Succoth and Penuel. But what did they get? They got ridiculed. Do you already have these men? Why in the world should we give you anything? Now, I'll not go into great detail about what Gideon ended up doing to these men. He ended up dealing with them very harshly. And and some Bible commentators believe that Gideon was wrong in what he did. He was vindictive in his actions. I don't. And I don't want you to take this away saying, well, if somebody harms you or discourages you, you can go get briars and... You know, take it to him or whatever. But listen, you have to remember the context. Gideon's a judge. He's on mission from God. He's chasing the enemies of Israel. And Succoth and Penuel, in not helping Gideon, they were really aiding the enemy. For, real, for all intents and purposes, they were traitors to their own nation. And so when Gideon punishes them later, he's bringing about justice that came about. 
So we're not going to get in great detail of that. If you disagree, that's fine. We'll get some briars and straighten. I'm kidding. Uh, The point we need to see today, though, is don't give up. Keep going in the midst of discouragement. Now, imagine you've seen a great victory. You're laboring. You're going after these enemies. You want to finish the job God's given you to do. He said, listen, we're exhausted. We're hungry. Would you help us? They say, we're not helping you. You go to the next town and said, we're not helping you. Gideon kept going. He faced discouragement in dealing with Zeba and Zalmunna. Look at uh, verses 18 and 19. Now, Zeba and Zalmunna here, he's, he's talking to them in verses 18 and 19. He said to Zeba and Zalmunna, what kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? Now, here's some information we didn't know. They killed some folks and they answered, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. Then he said, they were my brothers, the son of my mother. Talk about discouragement. His his brothers are dead. These enemies that he was pursuing had killed his brothers. He faced discouragement with his firstborn, Jether, in verse 20. He says, the Jether, rise, kill them. And it says, but the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was still a youth. In many ways, Jether was just like Gideon was just a couple of chapters back when we first met him. Instead of being bold and courageous and, and finishing the job, Jether's afraid. Now, over and over again, discouragement came rolling on to Gideon. But he didn't quit. He kept going. Think about it. He faced criticism. He faced exhaustion. He faced discouragement. Formidable foes. These things have stopped many a man or woman in their tracks. But praise God, there are those who do not give up in the midst of criticism, exhaustion and discouragement. They keep going. They set out to accomplish their God-given mission and they let no one and nothing stand in their way of doing what God has called them to do. And the greatest example, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about all that he faced as he headed to Calvary. His ministry was surrounded by critics. His own disciples forsook him and fled at the hour we had one of his greatest needs. Could you not watch him pray? And they fled when the... Soldiers came. But ultimately, beloved, as he's there on the cross, he says three words. And he says many, but it ends up saying these three. It is finished. It is finished. I finished the work you've given me to do. And because he finished the mission of salvation, because he bled, because he suffered, because he died, because he was buried, because he rose again victorious, we can have eternal life. He did not give up in the midst of the critics, in the midst of exhaustion, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of facing the sin of the whole world. He says it is finished. And because of that, we can have salvation. And we have it if you have called upon him. And I wonder, do you have it today, friend? All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. No, none that do good, no, not one. If you don't know him today, turn from your sin to Christ. Receive his finished work. Receive the free gift of eternal life. In your life, you're going to face criticism. 
In your life, you're going to face exhaustion. In your life, you're going to face discouragement. No doubt about it. The question today is, what are you going to do when those things come? How are you going to respond? Here's the ultimate question. Are you going to keep going in the strength of the Lord? Or are you going to quit? Are you going to keep going? You're going to quit. I've taught a class for many years. Born many burdens, toiled through tears. But folks don't notice me a bit. I'm so discouraged. I'll just quit. So some time ago, I joined the choir that many folks I might inspire. But folks don't seem moved a bit. And I won't stand it. I'll just quit. I've led young people day and night and, and sacrificed to lead them right. But folks won't help me out a bit. And I'm so tired. I think I'll quit. Christ's cause is hindered everywhere. And folks are dying in despair. The reason why? Just think of it. The church is full of folks who quit. What about you? What about me? Are you going to keep going in the strength of the Lord? Not our strength, but in the strength of the Lord? Are you going to quit? When you're facing exhaustion, keep going. When you're facing criticism, keep going. When you're facing discouragement, keep going. Go on looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And Nobody's looking around. I just want to ask you a moment before we pray here while you're there seated quietly. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. What about you, friend? Are you ready to quit this morning? Are you ready to walk out on a God-given assignment? Maybe you're ready to quit in your marriage. Maybe you're ready to quit your family. Maybe you're ready to quit the church. Maybe you're ready to quit in some other area. Maybe God has placed you in a job and you know God has you there and God put you there. Do you want to quit? Maybe you're laboring here for the Lord in some ministry. Maybe you're ready to quit. You say, you know what? When the nomination committee calls this time, I'm going to say no. But God has you there and God wants you there. I wonder, friend, what are you going to do? Are you going to quit? Are you going to turn around, turn back? Are you going to keep going in the strength of the Lord? I want to encourage all of us today to keep going. Keep going. Rest if you must. But don't give up. Don't go back. Don't quit. Keep going. Gideon set an example for us. But greater than that, the Lord Jesus set an example for us. He didn't quit. It is finished, he said. The Apostle Paul says that he fought a good fight. He's finished his course. He's kept the faith. I want to be able to say that. And I believe you want to be able to say it as well. And so today after we pray and we have this closing invitation and this closing song. I want to invite you today. Maybe you need to come and just lay some things out before the Lord. Give him your tiredness, your weariness, your burdens. Cry out to him. Knowing that he will give you that rest that you need. Father, we love you. And we praise you. And we thank you for this time in your word. And I pray your Holy Spirit right now to work in hearts and lives. 
I pray if someone's here today that doesn't know Christ to save you, they'll come. And then, Lord, I pray for others who know Christ or may be ready to quit. I pray this during this moment. We sing this closing song. They'll come and find that needed rest. That rest that's found in Christ and Christ alone. We praise you now and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is 294. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. The altar's open today. You want to come and pray by yourself? You want to pray with you? Let him know that if you want to do that. The altar's open, you might just come. Don't quit! Keep going, friend. When you keep going, you should take that first step of the altar today. 294, let's stand and sing.